Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Dr. Mark White, and today I'm going to talk to you about joint and limb swelling and why it matters. Normally, joint and limb swelling are spoken about in two contexts. First, after or related to orthopedic injury, and second, lymphedema. Naturally, there are other reasons for swelling, but these are two common forms PTs and PTAs will be dealing with. Today, I'm talking about the first case related to orthopedic injury. However, some of these same principles, though not all, will apply to the second case. Anytime we are dealing with swelling related to orthopedic injuries, one of two things happens. Then a third can happen, often a consequence of the first two. What I'm talking about is first, orthogenic inhibition, and second, excess limb weight. Orthogenic inhibition is a joint-centric problem that interferes with normal physiological and movement-related activity of the joint. What this means is that the joint injury, most often to the chondral surface, results in swelling that shuts down motor activity of the musculature that supports and moves the joint. Consequently, stabilizers and movers of the joint become increasingly inefficient or even inactive. Swelling can occur for a variety of reasons, but this is a common one that is clearly identified with this phenomenon. When this happens, it makes it easier to damage the joint surface and surrounding structures precisely because the stabilizing and moving musculature, almost exclusively in that order, it seems, are unable to properly distribute and absorb loads to protect the joint. Second, the swelling will sometimes remain confined to the joint where it can inhibit healing in that area. Sometimes it will not. Sometimes swelling occurs outside of the joint for other reasons. Swelling that occurs beyond the joint may become trapped interstitially. When this happens, the limb girth increases. We can measure the girth differences between limbs. This is directly related to the retained fluid content. That fluid has mass. Anything that increases the mass of the limb that you want to move makes it harder to move, especially the more distally it is located. Torque forces increase. If this is imposed on an otherwise healthy movement system, the stress with movement increases. Over time, this can cause damage to the movers. If this is imposed on an unhealthy movement system, more damage can occur more quickly and easily generate pain, fatigue, and increased risks for further injury. If we know the limb difference, this allows us to do something interesting with the data. Calculate a relative increase in limb weight. For example, a swollen forearm and hand related to a shoulder injury with dependent edema can easily add a quarter pound, half pound, or even a pound of additional weight to the arm. Attempts to move the arm may increase tendon stress at the shoulder such that it is a risk factor for damaging the tendons themselves or surgical repairs if they have had surgery. Similarly, dependent edema as a result of a knee joint effusion may accumulate in the calf as well as the foot and ankle. The weight of this extra fluid makes it more difficult for patients to complete short arc quad sets, open chain knee extensions, straight leg raises, hip abduction, and other similar movements due to the extra weight. Third, as already mentioned, the fact of the presence of swelling and the fact of its additional weight 
can contribute to inhibitions of healing in a variety of other ways. First, the internal fluid pressure pressing against vasculature, such as capillaries and venules, can create a tamponade, or collapse, of the lumen of the vessels, at least partially, and in some cases completely, that reduces or stops blood flow for a period of time. This results in loss of nutritive blood flow, oxygenation, and removal of metabolic waste products. Frequently, too, the mechanical issues related to necessary forces required to move the heavier limb are unaccounted for and unaddressed in rehabilitation. In my practice, we check for swelling. If it is distal to the joint, it's relatively easy to estimate the extra load this places on relevant movements. In most patients, this is critical to offset in some way, such as assisting the desired movement and applying treatments to reduce the swelling. As a minimum, we have to offset the effect of the swelling during treatment, such as assisting the movements and preventing the buildup of swelling and associated edema in the first place. The presence of swelling in a joint can be associated with orthofibrosis, thickening of the joint capsule, articular surface erosions, changes of osmolarity within the joint, reduction of lubricity, and decreased joint nutrition. This doesn't begin to cover all of the relevant issues related to joint and limb swelling. However, it does act as a reminder of something that is frequently overlooked. The main takeaways from today's talk are 1. Joint and limb swelling management matters. 2. The presence of swelling associated with joints can inhibit the function of joint stabilizers and movers. 3. Swelling and associated edema, especially distal to joints, increases the workload on the joint stabilizers and movers that are working. This leads to increased risk for injury to structures that normally load share with other stabilizers and movers. Fourth, swelling and associated edema can inhibit healing through a variety of direct and indirect means. This concludes our talk for now. Thanks for listening, and as always, may you and your patients be well. That's all for today.